This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome to the wine situation, the situation we have with wine. Um, I actually almost went to redo that opening and have it be me doing like a Brett Carey Bradshaw thing where I'm like, well, there I was, a single girl again, stuck at home with some wine. And I couldn't help but think to myself, I bet there's a lot of people sitting at home with wine that are alone too, that want someone to drink with. I could be that person. Um, that is the, the purpose of the wine situation these days, uh, is that the situation is we're all stuck uh, by ourselves and I'm here to be your virtual drinking buddy. I am Ellen Clifford, the palate, uh, yada yada, WSET diploma, yada yada, certified SOM, write for delectable, and I make this podcast. So that's my uh, story, my situation with wine. All right, guys, how is everyone doing? I'm, I'm seeing all sorts of interesting trends online of, of what people are doing with wine and where people are. I think, I think we're all a little tired. I think the fun of making sourdough bread and opening the best bottles of wine still is probably fun, but we're all just like, we're all a little bit tired. I guess that's about where I was last week. Um, this week I have the added excitement of now being a single woman again, which is uh, uh, unexpected and doesn't feel good. As much as, here's the thing, is I love being single. I've had friends who would go from relationship to relationship who I'd lecture on the joys of singletude because it's great. I like going places by myself. I have a lot of friends. Um, and yet whenever I find myself single again, I'm kind of like, well, I didn't want, but no, wait, but where my snuggles? Where are my snuggles? Good God. So yeah, becoming single happened right about the same time as we had a short, sharp shock of an earthquake here. So what a week it has been. Uh, I'm almost going to like probably go into manic phase again soon because I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Please don't worry about me too much though. My family sent me roses. Uh, multiple friends FaceTimed with, with me and brought their cats to, to come up and say hi to me and nothing makes me happier. Well, okay, love makes me very happy, hugs make me very happy, wine makes me very happy, but also one of my happiest things is cats. So, there you go. That was probably too much of me right now. You might be asking yourself, Ellen, what are we going to do today? Because you know I love to create... Oh my god, I almost said the, the wrong word. Um... I almost said I create tangents. That's not true. Tangents, I just go on. This podcast has a lot of tangents. What I create are segments. Segments and tangents. Tangents and segments. So uh, here's the agenda today. We're going to have a quick apology. You'll find out why. We're going to have a who, what, when, where, wine, the bones upon which the vegetarian hopefully vegan, but sometimes just vegetarian, because sometimes I eat cottage cheese. Uh, protein of this podcast hangs on, um, so there'll be that. And actually, the quiz is going to, or it's not a quiz, it's a game. This game has got like an added bonus. There's, I want a very specific producer um, in this, and I may or may not be mentioning that producer uh, offhand, 
somewhere in this podcast. So, you know, perk up your ears or at least clean them if they're feeling clogged, but don't use a Q-tip. Guys, I use a Q-tip, like I'm careful, okay? I'm not gonna puncture myself, but apparently don't use a Q-tip. Anyway, uh, listen up. So we're gonna have that. We are going to have a boozy book. Of course, since I promised that I would be drinking with you, we have an exciting woman-made wine supplied by another woman, Shelby, who you heard a couple episodes again. Uh, Shelby of, uh, from K&L Wines brought me another woman-made wine, so that's exciting, uh, that we'll be tasting through together. Uh, we'll have a tiny bit of wine bowl. It's not really, but it's just a thing I was curious to hear people's thoughts on. And then we will have a drunk dial, which, guys, I'm sorry, I called him this afternoon because people have lives and I record these things at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, but like I say, I get nervous, and I think you can almost hear it in this one because this is another person who I've just met a, a couple times. Um, so I get, I'm like drunk on nerves. So we have a drunk on nerves dial, and uh, then we say cheers and I'll go back to our drinking. Shall we jump in with that apology? I want to apologize to Cristal. Not that Cristal cares about me. I just, I attributed them to the wrong champagne house a couple episodes ago. Guys, I know that Cristal's made by Rutterer. I know this, but I, I think I said, like, I don't remember what I, which one I named it, but I, I was mistaken. And this is what happens when you're recording a podcast and you're riffing on a tangent. Uh, so that's that. I'm going to give you a quick who for the who, what, when, where, why wine before we get into the wine that I'm going to be drinking. The who is Jim Harrison. He was a, a poet, a novelist, an essayist. He wrote a, uh, the one book I read of his, well, actually, it was a compilation of his food essays called A Really Big Lunch. He was kind of like known for loving this, the particular region this wine comes from, but particularly this producer of it. So Jim Harrison is your who. Okay, are you guys ready for some wine? Yeah, you are. You're probably like, Ellen, cut the banter up top, let's drink. You know what, guys? I choose to wait to take the first sip of my wine until I can say cheers to you properly. But if you want to start drinking earlier, be my guest. I won't stop you. Um, just make sure you cheers with me extra hard when we get to the cheers. Okay, so this wine is the 2018 Lea Jorgensen Cellars Cabernet Franc from Southern Oregon. What? Uh, Cabernet Franc is not something I see a lot of out of Oregon. Uh, I also hope I'm saying Leah's Lea, Lea, her name correctly. The last name is spelled... J, one of those O's that has a slash through it, R-G-E-N-S-E-N. -E um, this is a winery devoted to sustainability. Um, it's certified LIVE, which stands for Low Impact Viticulture. Uh, and uh, eh, I wrote it down in eh, enology. <laughs> you guys, my handwriting is no good. Um, so let's uh, hear a little bit about Leia. She is, according to her website, a pirate princess owner and winemaker. She has been in the wine indie for two decades and started making her own wine in 2011. The daughter of an Oregonian, Leah moved to the land of Douglas firs, 
uh, from the lands of dogwoods in 2004 after turn attending Oregon Pinot Camp. Guys, I'm dying to go to Oregon Pinot Camp, but this year, cancel. Uh, not that they'd given me a scholarship, but I still wish I could go. She has worked for pioneering wineries, including Aerith Vineyards, Adelsheim Vineyard, and St. Michelle Wine Estates as sales, marketing, and communications expert before leaving behind administrative offices for the lure of a cellar. Cellars are Marty alluring. Uh, the graduate of Sweetbriar College for Women with a degree in English Literature and Creative Writing. Uh, <laughs> wow, pivot. Uh, studying a curriculum, she got her postgraduate in holistic nutrition at the Wellspring School, studying a curriculum of traditional Chinese medicine and functional medicine, and then enology, the science of winemaking, at the Northwest Viticulture Center. And it says uh, that she specializes in Cabernet Franc that she calls the ultimate Cinderella grape. And then there's like a cute Q&A with her that's, I'm like, oh, you are, you are funny. They ask, I'll, I'll read a few of the good ones. Let's see, if not yourself, who would you be? She said, an astrophysicist and a writer for SNL. What's your favorite quirky thing to do in Oregon? Picking roadside blackberries. Oh my God, mine too. I'm not kidding. I grew up with a friend uh, who lived outside of Portland and I every summer would go there. And I loved, we just would like forge the blackberries and her mom would make blackberry jam. I love that. And her favorite quote, which I don't know, maybe we could all think about in these interesting times we're having. Her favorite quote is, Barnes burnt down. Now I can see the moon. By Mizuta Masahide, I'm guessing that's how you say that. Yeah, guys, things, things are being burnt down, but mm, some of us are finding some clarity, I'd like to think. Yeah. So... I did not find on their website the exact winemaking on this wine, so um, unless I, I haven't read the, there's a thing with staff reviews and winemaker notes that I haven't read yet because I want to do my own tasting notes and see how they stack up. Maybe there's more info there. All I can tell you right now from the back of the bottle is it's 100% Oregon Cabernet Franc with a whimsical nod to France's Loire Valley. Say Loire again! Exclamation point. That's cute. I, I like the pun. I like it. Okay, well, you guys, I'm going to take a sip because I know we're just dying to cheers here. Uh, and then we'll have another clue and then we'll get into tasting notes. Cheers. Did you hear that? Oh, wow. Oh, holy cow. That's, that's a Cabernet Franc and it's one I like. And I'm kind of very hit or miss on Cabernet Franc. When I've had ones I love, I'm like so in. And then a lot of times I'm like, nah, too much pepper. Anyway, uh, this is delicious. Uh, we will have a what? Now our who, remember, was Jim Harrison, who loved this producer and this region. Our what is simply rosé. I'm just going to leave it at that. Ooh, okay, let's play what's in the glass now, because this wine's exciting. Uh, looking at it, it is quite purpley. It is rather going... Oh, this is an opaque purple wine. Uh, slight rim variation, but not much. Let's look at those tears, baby. Mm, they're pretty thick. This uh, seems... Cab Franc is kind of a... tends to make more translucent. This is a heavy-duty Cab Franc. This is fascinating. Oh my god, let's smell it. Medium plus intensity. 
Mm. You definitely, you get those bell peppers, but you also get a, almost a sweetness. You, you get those Oregon blackberries. I'm like, I wonder if there were some blackberries growing near here. Oh my God. I just remembered that when I first started tasting wine, I used to, now I probably am like a sappy herbality or like uh, hints of pyrazines, but it's got what I used to smell on wines and call viney because I, I don't know, I actually, I had a grandparents who grew grapes and a grandfather who attempted to make wine from them. Somewhere I have this picture of me holding grapes as a seven-year-old and just like the smell of the vines, particularly when they were dried in the off season is like what I get this from this. So like, yeah, dried vines and like spices just in flowers though. There's definitely some flowers, like purple, purpley flowers in here. Not too purple, maybe like blue purple. I'm very, I've realized I have a lot of, um, oh, what's the word for that? Uh, synesthetic type responses to things. A lot of times wines will remind me of a fabric or a color or a fabric color and particular style of a garment. Maybe if I ever quit wine. Well, after that, I, I once I conquer all of wine land, I will probably try and learn more about cheese and bread baking, although I already bake enough. Um, but then maybe I'll go into fashion. I don't know, guys, what do you think? Okay, let's taste this. Hmm. Wow. The wine is dry. <laughs> Obvi. It is, I'm going to put it at medium plus acid. My mouth is positively salivating up a storm. Hmm. The tannins are actually medium plus, which is not something I think of. I mean, I guess some, unless there's some oak on this, but I don't think there's oak on this. Or if it was, it was, it was big old oak, I think. Well, I don't know. I guess for some reason, I guess because I tend to, I don't know, I, I tend to think of Cab Franc as being lower tannin, maybe just because it always has a lithe feel to it. But I guess it's not too untypical for it to at least be medium plus. And this is definitely like, this has some grit and grip, uh, like grip to it uh, in a way that I'm like, between the acid and the tannin, this is going to age like a motherfucking charm. Oh yeah. Uh, medium plus body, medium plus intensity, quite complex. Everything I named on the nose, all those like the blackberries and like the green peppers and the herbs and the vininess and the flowers and a bit of smoke, almost like if you think of how chipotle's, chipotle, chip, uh, chipotle chippers, uh, chipotle peppers are smoky. There's like a smoke to this. Um, wow. This is a gorgeous wine. Thank Shelby, thank you so much for telling me about it. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, wow. Okay. I can't stop drinking it. I hope you guys have something really good uh, open. It would be cool sometimes if you're ever listening to this. If you know me, just text and tell me what you're drinking. Or you can get on the Instagram. The Wine Situation is, is our handle. Uh, and I don't know. I like hearing what other people are drinking. Let's see what the winemaker notes are on this, and then we'll see what Shelby's notes are, 
and we'll <laughs> we'll uh, see how it all stacks up. <clears throat> the winemaker notes, this wine expresses fresh, bright, vibrant aromatics lifting and floating above the glass, brimming with intense floral notes, perfume, and sweet fruit. Told you. This wine was like a bouquet of flowers saved from a precious occasion, hung carefully upside to dry, ooh, I bet that's the vininess, and preserved the natural oils, rose petals, hibiscus, violets, carnations. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like I pretty much nailed that tasting, so give me my Master of Wine diploma now, please. I'm done. Let's see what Shelby said. <clears throat> Oh yeah, she has a nice little write-up here. She says, Leah Jorgensen has captivated the attention of the wine world for her commitment and passion to Cabernet Franc, a varietal she endearingly refers to, to as her Cinderella grape. I need to like unpack that further. I'm a little confused why it's a Cinderella grape. Is it because it's like is dingy? It doesn't have a, a reputation of, for being a princess? Um, or is it kind of like when I wrote an article about Cabernet Franc, I talked about how it was like the most humble of grapes because in Bordeaux, Cabernet Franc is like the the backup singer to the other grapes. Cabernet Franc is in there and it helps out and it pulls, it does everything they can't do and probably more, but people don't really know about it as much or people just generally will think, okay, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot people that don't, <laughs> if they even think that at all when they hear Bordeaux, um, that's probably the first couple things they think. Uh, so yeah, it's like a very humble grape. Maybe that's what she means. Okay, well, maybe I can drunk dial her sometime. Okay, <laughs> going on with what Shelby said. She has put this variety on the map in Southern Oregon with many critics claiming her Cabernet Franc rivals the best expressions of the old world. I am certainly not one to disagree with any of them. This Cabernet Franc echoes levels of depth with classic notes of jalapenos, strawberries, chalky minerality, but unique notes like marigolds, tagine. Oh, tagine. That, maybe that's the smoky pepper thing. It, it, that's a spice that you can like mix. You can get at the store, um, at least in Southern California. And sweet, spicy habanero. These innovating wines will undoubtedly capture your attention and your heart. Yeah, I am so into this winemaker. I like how funny she is. I like that she's a pirate princess. Um, I like her punny things, her labels. I'll be putting a picture of this. Are this sort of like very French looking, like early, uh, I don't even, like uh, she looks like she should be a can-can girl. Um, yeah, it's got like a very cute sort of elegant uh, label. I am so into this. Well, you guys, cheers. I Please tell me what you're drinking. I want to hear, I want to share it with you. Like I've said, if I could ever get it so people could order the wines and drink with me, that would be so cool. Although, ooh, I may be helping like an immersive theater company do these online uh, guided wine tastings. So stay tuned for details about that. We'll see. Okay, let us get back to the bones of this podcast. So your who was Jim Harrison, a big fan of this producer. Your what is Rosé. Your when is late. As in late ripening. As in a characteristic of the grape Mauved, which is has to be at least 50% uh, of the wine in this region. Your probably are probably getting like really close, I would think. Um, 
if you haven't figured it out already. So let's move on to our boozy book, which is really, it's not so much booze as it is just more wine. Uh, and this is a little bit of a teaser because we have a phone call scheduled. Hopefully it works out. It's, she's on the East Coast, so I'm going to like talk to her at 8.30 a.m. my time. It will definitely be a drunk on nerves dial. Uh, the book I just read that I absolutely loved was Wine Girl by Victoria James. Victoria James is, she's just like, a, she's a famous uh, sommelier. Now I'm just going to go ahead and call her like a wine community activist. Uh, it's a memoir that traces her life um, from, wow, I, she's one of those people that you're just like, you are the strongest and just, she's one of those people who adversity just made her stronger, who worked her ass off to get where she where she is, which is, uh, well, I don't know what's going with, what, with things being shut down right now. I'm not sure what the status of her um, job as wine director of Coat um, in New York is, but that's, uh, that's what she's the psalm of. She also got famous because she just like was the youngest psalm ever, pretty much. She got it like right when she turned 21, became a certified psalm, uh, and also just worked so hard and like won a lot of wine contests, um, like tasting contests and such. So as I tend to do, I kept a running list of like every single wine um, or drink she mentioned throughout this book, which I'm obviously not going to read through them all because that would be a whole lot. Uh, but I'll give you a few highlights that I found fun. Uh, I liked that I think like her first contact with wine pretty much was bringing her Grandma Willie whites in on ice. <laughs> um, I mean, more power to her grandma. My God, enjoy that. If you like that, just you do you, boo. I really enjoyed uh, her sort of account of the first time she discovered how much pairings can matter because guys like I didn't... <laughs> She's like in her early 20s and she's realizing the importance of pairings and I don't think I really truly got it till I was at the Wine Writers Symposium and just like the potato chips and the champagne, the uh, the blue cheese and the late harvest dessert wine just uh, like took me on, well, what a ride. Anyway, her, the way she, her account of, of really realizing uh, how important pairings were, uh, let's see. I'm gonna give you a quote or two. Uh, basically, uh, the, the guy at her restaurant in charge has some Amarone and he's got some Parmigiano Reggiano. And he says, see, if I just gave them this wine, he pointed to the bottle of Amarone, it would be too much. The thick red wine clung to the side of the, gray, of the glass like glue. It reminded me of drinking soup rich and warm. And if I give them this cheese, well, they would die of thirst. Sure enough, the hard cheese was crunchy, salty, and left my mouth dry. Um, so she has that revelation and, and you know, has to keep going back and forth between the Amarone makes you want the cheese, the cheese makes you want the Amarone. Uh, <laughs> she says, all night I could have sat there and just eaten the hard, salty cheese with a full, raisiny wine. Enzo had essentially given me the grown-up version of milk and cookies. And then she names a lot of other, like, food pairings that work. Milk and cookies, warm pie with ice cream, grilled cheese dipped in tomato soup, peanut butter and jelly, french fries and ketchup. I knew these went together, but I'd never stopped to think about why. So 
I don't know, I enjoyed hearing about that revelation. Uh, let's see what other things um, it was, she learned about uh, importers. I feel like everyone learns about importers through Kermit Lynch somehow, or maybe it's just because like he was one of the first importers I became aware of, but there's an account of her. Uh, so she's looking at bottles and she is like, oh, tell me about this Domaine Tempier. And when she turns it around, she sees Kermit Lynch uh, entered, and that's when she learns that uh, if you're trying to learn about wine, sometimes, especially for wines not coming from where you live, if you learn there's a producer you like, that's like a good guidepost. Because, yeah, there's producers that uh, sometimes speak to some people more than others. Me, I'm a big Rosenthal fan, I'm just going to say, but maybe that's just because I've been spoiled with some Burgundy that he brings in, so I don't know. Um, so that was a cool story. What else? There's. Uh, it's pretty funny when she's studying for her psalm test, uh, and some of the really useless things you have to memorize. <laughs> she says, uh, who cared about the ingredients in a godmother cocktail? I had never even heard of anyone who drank it. In parentheses, eight years later and counting. I still haven't. I actually have made that. It's like one, I think it's like, it's like vodka, Kahlua, Bailey's. It's some sort of weird, boozy, sweet thing that I believe my friend Belle had gone to one of those uh, bartender schools and she, because she knew I was getting into cocktails. Guys, this was years ago, like when I was just starting to like keep my blog scrumptious school. Um, and I think I just for fun made everything from the, the little pamphlet that went with her, with her class. Uh, God, I would have to, I don't still have that pamphlet, but I might've posted that on my blog. I should look it up and see. Anyway, uh, yeah, who the fuck needs to know what a god, uh, a godmother is, but yeah, there, there's a lot of cocktails that you, what, I mean, I'll put it to you this way. On my psalm, um, test, they asked me what a white lady was which they're really lucky I didn't answer me to. <laughs> me, I am. Uh, I've actually made white ladies more than once in my life because they're a delicious gin, Cointreau, and lemon juice, and sometimes egg white cocktail, but that's another story. But people don't order that shit. Anyway, so that was a fun sort of account of hers. There's a lot of um, distressing things in the book too. All, I mean, just the way people <laughs> treat young women, women in general, but especially young women, I would say, probably. Um, although we live in such an ageist society, I don't know if it like starts to be a problem in one's later years, too. Uh, women are treated like shit. We are manhandled. We are looked down on. We are not trusted by people who know fucking nothing about wine. And especially when you're young, people will use their uh, their sway to get what they want from you and you think you have to play along for your career and you don't know how to do otherwise because when you're grow up female, you're can... It's not that we're stupid. I got, and this is a fight I got in with the ex once where he's like, so you're just saying, when I was like, no, women were just like, it's hard because we're conditioned. And he's like, so you're saying women are just like dumb and not able to make up our mind. I'm like, no, it's just like, this, you don't fucking know, okay? Um, whew, okay, not gonna, not gonna get mad. Anyway, so there's a lot from that. Uh, from some of her bigger restaurants she started working at early on. There's a, there's a little bit of celeb gossip in a page or two, like 
She poured Chassain Montrachet for Bill and Hill. Uh, Mariah Carey liked Prosecco. Uh, I love the nickname she gave, like, and I know exactly who she's talking about. Uh, the people she calls the Corkage Cowboys, which is like the bros. Maybe bros was not her word, but just like the rich dudes with the big bottles. And they don't even fucking know the importance of what they're drinking or like, I, I don't know. They're probably like the guys that uh, say they know everything about wine and what they know is how to buy expensive Napa Valley cab. I don't know. Um, I really liked, there's a quote <laughs> about natural wine, which I was kind of like, ooh, slight shade, but I appreciated it. Uh, she's talking about natural wine and she says, unfortunately, a lot of natural winemakers, a lot of natural winemaking is straight up dirty. Wines are like women. We don't have to wear makeup to be beautiful, but we should probably shower. <laughs> um, I enjoyed hearing how she came to like come up with a, a wine program for her, for Coat, which is a Korean barbecue steakhouse, basically. Um, and sort of the solution was all the, oh, I forget what it's called, but like the little dishes that are usually served before the meat, which are like like kimchi and pickles and, and stuff, they serve after the meat. So people, you know, they need the wine for the meat. Because, yeah, I'm trying to picture pairing uh, the accoutrements with wine and like that would be hard. And also like, yeah, that would be hard. Um... I liked hearing about when she first, her first date with uh, her now husband, they opened a bottle of uh, La Tour Vielle, um, which is a wine made in Coulier, which is like southern, southern France. Um, and he does that and reads her poetry by Jim Harrison, um, speaking of Jim Harrison, and then just did more amazing pairings for her. Uh, what a hubby you got there good on you i like it um and it, right before a little before she got married i think it was before i'm not sure on the timeline she started something called wine empowered which is like free education for uh w like women and anyone who's not a straight white man basically uh <laughs> she says it was started <clears throat> for those who wouldn't be invited uh to the pale <laughs> the pale male stale community. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I like that. Victoria James, uh, wine girl. Read it, love it, get into it, and get excited, hopefully. You never know. Like, I imagine she's a very busy woman, and so hopefully our our conversation next week takes place, and she's my drunk dial, because um, I think she's good peeps. Yeah. Cheers to her. Bing. Hmm. Wow, yeah, the tannins on this wine are high. Like, I keep having to take sips of water, too. I'm like, why am I getting... The acid is so high, why am I also getting dry mouth? Uh, dry mouth? It's because the tannins are binding with the proteins in my mouth and drying the fuck out of them. Yeah, love it. Okay, uh, let's get on with the who, what, when, where, why wine. Who, Jim Harrison, what, rosé, when, late, ripening, Nuved. Where, I'm just going to get real specific, and wine people, you're, you're probably going to be like, Ellen, you made it too easy by now, but where's Bandol is where this wine is made. Uh, a quick bit of my wine bull, and then I'll give you the why and the answer. 
my wine bowl is I was online um, looking to see what I could order from Silver Lake Wine and just, you know, they, they didn't have a specific uh, listing of these are women winemakers. So I was just kind of like scrolling and reading and I saw uh, Ruth Lewandowski wines, which I, I think is a natural winemaker that I've heard of before that I think people are into. And I was like, oh, who's Ruth? Okay, cool. And I click on it and it's some dude. I, I don't know what his story is, or at least that's who the picture was of. And it was like, Ruth is a concept. Uh, and they elaborated from there, but I felt so cheated. I was like, but you put, but you're not, you're, you're not a woman. I mean, I guess nice paying homage to a woman, but I was just, I was upset. I was also just getting frustrated because I was, I don't know. I, you know what, guys, I'm an idiot. I really, this for, I should just start sourcing always from, uh, either from Shelby, who's nice enough to pour me things, uh, or to fetch me things from, from K&L, or I should go to Vinovore. Uh, you might've heard earlier episodes where Coley Dinhan, who, who founded that wine store, um, talked about having a wine store with like pretty much nearly all the wines are women winemakers. I gotta go there more often. Okay. So... Who? Jim Harrison. What? Rosé. When? Light ripening. Mved. Where? Bandol. Why is, I don't know, rosé all day, bitch. All season. Uh, so, if you haven't figured it out, the pretty much the most famous winemaker in Bandol is Domaine Tempier. That's why that's really the main reason that I included the little bit about it. That's how she learned about producers, but because I wanted you guys to listen. I also feel free to tell me when in this episode you figured it out. That would be cool. Um, yeah, Domaine Tempier, they make beautiful rosés from Bandol, which is in, it's a subregion of Provence in the southern France. It has to be at least 50% Mouved. Uh, yeah. Domaine Tempier is a, um, it's a rosé that can age, but like I've only ever had real fresh ones. I've, they used to, oh God, I hope Barbrix reopens. One of my favorite wine bars here in LA, Barbrix would have it by the glass. And generally like my friend Shahrazad, oh, she was a guest on the show too, would go there and we'd have a glass or two. And then I would be just like seizing the day and be like, I'll get a glass of Domaine Tempier, which is like the 20 something dollar glass of wine. But guys, sometimes it's worth it. Also, Barbrix is like, I mean, if we go there when Doug's working, like we are greeted with a, like a glass of sparkling, just like because we're us, not, not that we have to buy. Um, and they would always pour me taste and talk to me. Uh, so you know what? I can give them a little extra money. Um, yeah, good places, good people, good wine. If you can, try some Domaine Tempier. They also make a red, I'm not, oh, I should have looked this up, guys. I'm sorry, I'm not as well researched as I could be. I'm not sure if they make a white or not, but they, they do make a, a red wine as well. So that's that, guys. Um, what a ride, what a week. Uh, thank you for being here for me. I mean, I don't know if you are, you, you might have shut this down by now, but really... I fucking appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> oh, I almost forgot. I'll appreciate you even more if you'll leave us a five-star review and just like say something nice on iTunes. It seriously takes no time. Like, please, 
that'd be cool. I don't want to beg, um, but I would be appreciative. So this week's drunk dial is someone who I think you might have heard his show his name on the show before. Um, it was early February. I was invited to have dinner um, dinner with Catherine Jarvis, who has a PR company and an Italian winemaker. And I thought it was going to be like a big thing um, with a ton of people, but it was just me, her, the winemaker, uh, who made some really fabulous Italian wines, and uh, Vince Atler. Um, I just mispronounced his name, Anter, Vince Anter, who he hosts a show that you can find, uh, I think it's available on their website, but also Amazon Prime, called V is for Vino, and they go around the world and they teach you about wine, and they'll have like little science segments, and it's a really fun show, and you can, that makes it really easy just to learn stuff about wine. Vince is a super nice guy who, like, right after we met, was like, yeah, I'll be on the show. Uh, and then kept, like, our schedule was whack, wackadoodle. Uh, also, February wasn't that long ago. Um, and also, though, coincidence, he was uh, at that Willamette Valley dinner that I went to. There was a big dinner where I was sat at, uh, sitting, I can't talk, the tannins are drying my mouth, so where I was sitting between him and Pat Comiskey. Uh, he was there, so we, we've hung, we've had a couple of like fun, boozy dinners together, me and Vince, and really wanted to get him on the show, and then everything shut down, but I was like, hey, we can at least call you up, and you can do the final five questions of the drunk dial. He's a super good guy, uh, definitely like follow his things he's been making You'll, you'll hear about it. Um, his Instagram's been fun. Uh, good guy. So please enjoy the Drunk Dial Final Five, So Much Alliteration, with Vince Anter. Hello. Hello. Vince, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Very honored. It's been a uh, comedy of errors, but we're doing it. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> He's a guest. Um... Yeah, uh, if you're ready, we'll jump right in then. Let's jump in. Okay, final five. Question number one is, what you drinking these days? What am I drinking? I've been uh, I've been on a big cocktail kick, uh, surprisingly. I know I'm a, I, uh, I think a lot of winos are probably also into cocktails, but I've had more time at home to mess with cocktails. I, I always like cocktails, but usually it's like, you know, what's the the quickest, the least barrier to entry, so I'll pop <laughs> up with a bottle of wine. But uh, now with the extra time staying at home, I've been making cocktails. Very, very cool. Any particular favorites? I know I've seen you posting, like, a lot of classics on your uh, on the Instagram. Yeah, especially this at the home bar, you know, I'm not getting too wild. Uh, <laughs> but I have everything to make all the classics. I've been uh, been on a rum kick. Um, I've Ooh. Been, like, amber rum, so, like, a really, like, an amber rum daiquiri is one of my favorite wow. things. A daiquiri, like just a perfectly well-made daiquiri, is one of the best drinks out there, hands down. Yeah, it's like totally the lady judge of bartender. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people think it's like a strawberry slushy. That's what I thought growing up. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, definitely. It's it's a super classic drink, and it it should be very, very simple. Three ingredients, and it's just about balance and dilution, and that's it. Perfect. Okay, well, uh, question number two is what's the coolest or best pairing you have ever had? Yeah, so uh, I've had, had some cool pairings for sure. 
But one of the most unique pairings I think I've had is I had a buddy who worked at a fine dining restaurant here in um, Los Angeles, and I went there, and he paired one of the courses that was pretty truffle-heavy with a flat champagne, so like a day-old champagne. Um, and his thing was, he was saying, it's basically, uh, you know, like really, really good white burgundy. Um, and so we, we were able to pair that. I thought that was really cool and unique. Did you think it was as good as white burg? Um, yeah, well, here's my thing. I'm one of the only weird winos on the planet who's not a huge champagne guy because I kind of think that the bubbles get in the way of <laughs> the flavors. And I know that's the minority opinion. I know I'm completely crazy, but, um, a lot, I, I like, I actually like to be able to have champagne at a little warmer temperature and uh-huh. I, I don't mind that the bubbles aren't there. I have to confess, I didn't think I liked champagne that much until I started like getting to taste like de cuvee. <laughs> yeah, well, isn't that funny? I, I always tell people, like, the exception is really, really good champagne. Yeah. Really champagne. Like, that blows my mind. But it's so I like, expensive. You know? I know. Or I like a lot of rosé champagne, too. But, yeah, yeah. I, I do want to now um, try and flatten out some, some bubbles. I just have to not drink them all uh, when I open the bottle. I do. <laughs> um, okay, question number three. What's the first place you're hoping to visit for wine once we can move about the country and out of the country? Yeah, you know what came in my head today is how bad I want to get back to San Francisco. Oh. Yeah, I just love that town. I love the food scene there. One of my favorite things to do is, like, find a neighborhood and then hit, like, three or four different places for cocktails and appetizers and then end the night at Zuni Cafe and get their chicken, which is, like, one of the greatest things on the planet. It's the best chicken you'll ever have in your life. (laughs) Um, And so I, I was like, oh, that sounds like such an amazing time. I know that's not even that far uh, no, but yeah. it'll be exciting when we when we can do that again. I've never actually gotten to do much dining in, in San Francisco, so I'll hit you up for uh, for advice. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely hit me up for Rex. I mean, like it's the number one place I, I I think you always have to go is if you can get into Zuni Cafe and get their whole roasted chicken. It'll just it'll it'll blow your mind. Can I name drop you? Vince Andrews. They don't know me, so but good luck. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, well, the next question is, if you were to make a wine, what would you want to make, and what would you call it? Yeah, I think I would. Uh, I think I'd make something. I, I, I've actually thought, you know, if I'm going to buy land one day, where would I get it? And I really like a lot of Oregon, and not just Willamette Valley. I mean, you can still get stuff in Willamette, which is kind of nice. You know, you can't say the yeah. same about like, oh, I could still get something in Napa or even Santa Barbara's. <laughs> But you could go to the Willamette, which is the premier growing region in in Oregon, and still find land. And then outside of Willamette, there's a lot of, I think, potential. Um, you know, you kind of future-proof yourself with, with it being a little chillier up there. Yeah. You know, if it gets hotter, you still can make wine. Um, and that being said, I, I would probably experiment. Nobody's made a really solid domestic gamay. And I'm usually like one of those guys who hates on, like, for instance, I see domestic gruner and I'm just kind of like, why? But, <laughs> but I really want, I like Gamay so much. It has such a special place in my heart that I, I want to try it in my hand at it. Gamay all day is yeah. what I say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and any ideas on what you'd want to call it? Or No, I'm, uh, I'm bad with names. I, uh, but... I, I'd, have to, I'd have to consult my wife and have her get, be the creative one and pick a <laughs> name. Well, you, you'd be a good team then. <laughs> <laughs> um. Cool. Well, that brings us to the classic final question of this podcast, which is, what's bringing you some joy? Yeah, um, I'm a, you know, a pretty 
I don't want to say joyful guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm big on gratitude. I try and always, and I think our generation actually does a really good job of just being thankful for what we have for the most part. So I'm, I'm generally super grateful, and I fell into a bit of a slump when all this first went down. Um, and in the first week or two, I was, was operating out of fear. But then past that, I've just I've got so much joy from the extra time I have to be with my wife. You know, she's not commuting two hours a day. Oh, wow. She's home, uh, you know, working, which has been I'm super grateful for. Um, uh, I'm very, very happy just to have time to work on projects that I want to work on and, and spend time cooking dinner and, like I said, making cocktails. So <laughs> being at home is bringing me a tremendous amount of joy. It's going to be a little bittersweet when I get back to the real world. <laughs> well, that is absolutely beautiful um yay uh for us finding peace in these wickedly crazy times it's, yeah, yeah 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 if anything i just feel guilt <laughs> you know i'm just ah, i get to you know I, I, <laughs> you so much you respect for the people who still have to go out there even if you're doing a normal job but you still have to go out there i feel a little bit guilty but uh i'll i'll, I'll give it back when when everything comes back around i'll uh, i'll pay it forward start working I, my face off again <laughs> i do not doubt it um do you want to tell people where they can find you, where they can find your show, everything? Yeah, absolutely. So the show is V is for Vino. I tell people it's Bourdain meets Alton Brown. We travel the wine regions. You remember I love the, the science sections. Yeah, we talk and we do science. The Nerd Lab is everybody's favorite. And then I always bring food involved because, you know, you got to have food with wine. Um, and so, yeah, if you if you want to watch it, it's free to watch on either vsforvino.com or if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, it's also streaming on Prime. And if they want to see you making cocktails on Instagram, you're, oh, you're Via's Provino there too, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, Via's Provino for all the social handles. Cool. Well, guys, you should follow him on all those things. Um, thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, and I'm looking forward to when we can raise a glass again in person. Absolutely. I can't wait to see you. <laughs> Have a great night. All right. Talk to you. Cheers. Glass. I just drink This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.